welcome back to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, our regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm Pastor Dan, and I am assisted ably by my wonderful daughter, Bethany, who, by the way, is also our youth uh, services director at Shiloh United Methodist Church, so we're very excited about that. And uh, today we are continuing our study of mere Christianity. This is episode 26, and it's being recorded on September 14th, 2019. So we are now at chapter 3 of book 4. And up to this point in chapter 3 of book 4, or I should say up to this point in book 4, we understand that God only begets God, and God is one being, but there are three distinct persons. And this, I think, is really important, that knowing God rests in God's hands, but not knowing God rests in ours. So now that we've got these fundamental concepts uh, reiterated and mm-hmm. reminded to us, we need to move on to some pretty challenging stuff. On the other hand, it's also not a long uh, chapter. No, but it's super fun because it's timey-wimey. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And, you know, for anyone who's not a Doctor Who fan, that's a Doctor Who thing. But there's a lot of similarity in the metaphysical aspects of our well, maybe metaphysical is not the part. Well, I I just know that when I was reading the way he describes time for God versus time for us, very much reminded me of that episode where I just got that phrase "timey wimey," right? Where the doctor is explaining to, you know, he's a time lord; he totally understands time, um, but he is explaining to the humans that he's with that time isn't linear. And Lewis's description of time in this chapter is really similar to yeah. the way the doctor talks about it. So we'll get to that, but, you know. Well, and, and to use my own phraseology for uh, this basic concept that we have accepted already and uh, in order to move to this part of the study, I've always said the thing that's very difficult for humans to realize but once it clicks it really changes your whole perspective is that god is wholly other Mm -hmm. than what god has created that that we assume everything connects to the created world as we understand it Mm -hmm. and so we have a tendency to compartmentalize things and sort of confine god to a box And the first thing we have to do to really grasp the timelessness of heaven and God's uh, place of existence inside our space and time is that God doesn't exist in our space and time. God exists in a wholly other way, Mm -hmm. in a whole other realm, and that we are... We are the ones who are limited, and God is entirely unlimited. And so I have always thought that, like, when... When Moses saw what looked to him like a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the flames, it was because he was seeing 
the bright light that comes from the place where God dwells. Yeah. And that's consistent throughout scripture, wherever you see uh, signs of God's presence, like a star that never moves. It's always over the place where the baby Jesus is. You're probably seeing a hole in the fabric of space and time mm -hmm. as we understand it. And from that space, there is an enormous amount of light. And light is a constant in scripture that it, as it describes the nature of God. Mm -hmm. So well, and that kind of goes back to the last chapter where he was talking about shapes and the dimensions and stuff and how we can't, we can't grasp God's dimensionality. And I think like we have, we have our human rudimentary understanding of time and space and what that all means. So something like what you just described, we can only kind of fuzzily get at fuzzily fuzzily it's a word i made. I, I just even if it's not i just made it up um we can only kind of grasp that on some level because it's not a dimension that we have any understanding of at this point mm -hmm. so time is a totally different beast when it comes to god because guess what he created that too well Speaking of fuzzily, we are also being <laughs> assisted this morning by Irma, the eschatologist. And uh, so if you happen to hear cat sounds in the background, um, that's Irma. She wanted to be with us. So she's helping us with today's recording. So let's get on with the topic here and see what happens. Um, you know, there's a, a, a quote basically from the from from mere christianity where he's responding to somebody who says i believe in god all right but what i cannot swallow is the idea of him attending to several hundred million beings who are all addressing human beings who are all uh bleh, who are all addressing god at the same moment how does lewis respond to that comment you know what my first thought was when i was reading his response was um, this is a little bit of a throwback. It's not that old, but Bruce Almighty. Mm -hmm. So I forget when that came out. It's, I would say it's over a decade old, but I can't say for sure when it came out. Yeah. Um, but it's, so Lewis talks about how, like, the problem with that question being asked is that it hinges on the words at the same moment. Right. So we can kind of picture this, we can kind of have this image in our head of God, like going down a list, like, okay, this person says this, okay, then, and like doing it in an order. Um, and like one by one, because he has endless time. Um, and so he says like the, the reason people have a hard time with that question is like, how does God fit all of that into a moment in time? And as soon as I read that, I was picturing there's a scene in Bruce Almighty. So Bruce Almighty is a movie with Jim Carrey, who is awesome. He does not get enough credit for his talent as a comedian. But it's this movie where he's kind of this stuck up fool of himself jerk. And he ends up like God lets him trade places with him for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, so Bruce gets to experience what it's like to be God. And there's this really funny scene kind of early on in this experience for him where all of a sudden he's just flooded with all these people talking at him in his brain. 
and it's everybody praying. And so I was picturing that scene because even that movie, which is a comedy and maybe isn't super reverent, but that tries to kind of deal with this idea, it doesn't quite get it right because Lewis is saying the issue is you're thinking that God has to take everything that comes at him in that moment that is the moment that humans are understanding and mm-hmm. God, that's not what's happening for God. Um, but we can't fathom that because that's how it is for us. Something happens one moment and then the next moment in our life comes and the next and the next. Um, yeah. It's, it, it progresses in kind of a series, I guess. There's, there's, uh, um, an, uh, th- there's an opportunity here in this sort of uh, comprehension. <laughs> um. Excuse me. <laughs> the host just sneezed. <laughs> I think they have, you know, special equipment for that in real, you know, fancy edit, edit recording <laughs> studios. But but anyway, um, I at least did not go, I just kept it to a little bit of a... <clears throat> so anyway... Um, no, there's an opportunity here for for us to recognize that there is a really comfortable relationship here between the understanding of God and even Christianity in terms of the uh, the way a scientist or or a astrophysicist, for example, would would look at these things and and you know i honestly think that that uh a a genuine you know this is why stephen hawking always kind of irritated me because um at some point a person who studies the universe and has this like really comprehensive understanding as much as any human can of the nature of the universe and time and space and all of that like someone like like uh uh, Albert Einstein, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, they want to say that, that Stephen Hawking's one of the greatest minds ever. He was also a guy who was deeply committed to his disbelief in God. Yeah. And Neil deGrasse Tyson's another one that comes to mind. He's just really committed to his disbelief in God. And at some point you realize that that's a religion in and of itself that he's interjecting into the science. It's like, just let the science be science. And those of us who believe that God is the author of it all actually find a lot of that science easier to comprehend. Mm-hmm. And I think people who believe the science tells the story because it is a empirical process that reveals truth. And they, the, the honest scientist would say, well, I don't know whether I personally believe in God or not, but I can't disprove the existence of God or God's uh control over all of this Mm -hmm. that would be an honest response because that's what science does is is it looks at things with honesty and integrity in order to determine measurable truths that can then be compiled into a greater truth a better understanding and unfortunately um, some of them are just really sure that there's no god and they would rather make sure that you know that than they would uh, simply let the science speak for itself. And so it always comes to a point of what you think of yourself. So, you know, I think Stephen Hawking, I think guys like Neil deGrasse Tyson, in, in my opinion, 
um, just think too highly of themselves. And their assumption is, is that they're a little smarter than everybody else. After all, that's why everybody wants to hear what they have to say. And so it's their duty to tell you that you're stupid if you believe in God. I mean, goodness, because that's what, you know, superior people do is they yeah. tell us ignorant people things we need to know. But something that Lewis says in this part of the chapter that I think is really awesome is he points out like, so he's talking about how humans see time as very linear. It's past, present, future. And that lots, he, he says that there are smart people who have, kind of posited the idea that that's not the case for everything. Yeah. And he says, theologians were the ones who were saying first that some things might exist outside of time, then philosophers, then scientists picked right. it up. So right. like, yeah, science says that, but they weren't the first ones to be thinking that. Exactly. It came from studying God. Right. So, but And to really grasp God, you know, as a timeless and not only timeless but space less which sounds weird well he says like god is not in time right god exists outside of time so understanding that god Just exists like outside he... of our space and time yeah. is the first most important thing any person can do and then we begin to understand that the bible is this message that was transmitted to us uh and, and I know people can argue against the Bible, but, but there are too many things that if you look at it scientifically, that the Bible says that, that uh, and because it's been around so long, it's also as easy to misunderstand as it now is to understand. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that this is a message transmitted from outside space and time to people within space and time. And it's also... Um, it's also really important to realize that, that God has stepped into space and time and actually existed in space and time. And, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just like... He gets to that. Okay. It's time for me to get back on topic. See, I can do my own opining or we can listen so he to just the points, smart guy. Well, no, he just points out that, like, so it's linear for us, but because God exists outside of time, if you look at a chunk of time, like if you say, well, you know, so many thousands of people are praying to God all at the same time. Well, that's true. It's happening all at the same moment for us, but it's always his presence. So he has all literally all the time in the world yeah. to listen because everything is present for him. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, we really can't grasp that. No. I mean, because we are creatures and not the creator and because we are limited to time and space. But what it means is, is that God listens to me and just me when I talk to God. Well, and yeah, because God can do that. And we've tried to grasp it with different movies and stuff. And I was just thinking, like, even when we make movies about time travel, we don't really quite grasp the idea that everything is present because and we I guess sometimes we do because you know like when somebody travels into the past then they come back and no time has passed at home right but the past becomes present for them right and right. their present becomes future for them in that time that they're in so they're still not it's not like everything is present and I don't know how you do vi make that visual um, because I don't think we have the capabilities to grasp that idea yeah, we, we can't, you know, um, 
Yeah, Einstein came awfully close, mm-hmm. and he was a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so explain the idea uh, that that Jack gives about writing a novel about a character named Mary. Yeah, he tries to kind of illustrate what he is describing with the present thing, and I think he does a pretty decent job because he says, like, if I'm writing about Mary and I say that Mary sat her work down, and there was, and then there a moment later there was a knock at the door. He said, you know, for Mary, there's no time at all between her sitting her work down and the knock at the door. But for me, I might get up and walk away and do other things between writing this first and second half of that sentence. So there might be three hours or a couple of days between me saying Mary put her work down and then the knock coming at the door. But for Mary, no time passes at all because she exists within the scope of what I wrote. Right. Versus... I'm the writer. I created it. I I know how much time passed. Right. You know, so. Yeah, no, I, and and I I get it. And there's again, there's separate time happening. Time in the story versus time outside of it. Right. Which which is you know I opened with the study guide stated thing that you have to accept in order to take this lesson properly. And then I gave my own version of it, which is basically in order to understand the remaining concepts, refer back to concept one, God is the creator and not part of the creation and not in any way connected to the creation other than God created it. And and God has, you know, God exists outside of our space and time, even outside creation. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, but it's really cool because he says that means, like you said, he has boundless amount of time to devote to each person then, which and so he says, and I just really loved it because he says you're as much alone with him as you as if you were the only being he had ever created. When Christ died, he died for you individually, just as much as if you'd been the only person in the world. Yeah, because he has infinite energy and time to devote to you, which is really cool. Um. We're going to be heading out to Israel here soon, and we're mm-hmm. going to spend more time in the Galilee. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but I really wish we could go visit uh, Mount Hermon mm. um, because that's thought to be the place where the transfiguration occurred. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the transfiguration, this is when I knew I was beginning to really grasp this whole idea of God being apart from the created order and, and outside space and time. I started thinking, you know, when Jesus is appears in glory and is in the presence of God and, and, you know, for a moment on the mountaintop, they are in that realm where God exists or God has opened the door to that realm. And there's Moses and Elijah mm-hmm. and Jesus, and they're having a little chat. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that's, like entire it's entirely possible that that is the same moment when Moses was talking to God at uh on, by what he called the burning bush that that could be very that could be the moment when that conversation occurs yeah that that when we see the transfiguration what we are witnessing is 
something that happened in the past, but it's not the past as far as God is concerned. So it's all it's present. For it's all, all of happening. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you know Moses is is in the presence of God, standing on holy ground, right? And and he's getting his marching orders. And Elijah's there in the presence of God on holy ground, and Jesus is there, and and Peter and James and John are watching. Uh, kind of as as if from a little bit of a distance so they're not on the holy mm-hmm. ground they're they're like you know on the sidelines and and they're watching this play out and yet i am entirely convinced that what they are witnessing is events from the past in the present mm-hmm. because well and we talked a lot the timelessness of-, of god has happened at that moment and we also talked a lot about that when we were doing the Revelation study because we talked a lot about what John was experiencing and yeah. whether that was in or out of time. And and I think it's interesting because, and this is going to tie back into this chapter, because we talked about how John maybe got to experience more like God's time yeah, because he's taken out of his own time. But Lewis points out that... that like the illustration he gives about the author does break down because the only way the author gets out of one series of time, which is the, uh, the, the novel he's writing is by stepping into another time series, which is his reality. And he says, but for God, like God doesn't exist in any time series. So Mm -hmm. even, even our thing about John, John gets to experience more like what God's, time is like but he still steps from one version of time for himself into a different version of time for himself yeah because he like he goes back to his present at some point so he's still seeing things that are future to him yes so but but what lewis is saying is for god like it it isn't any of the things we think it is it's not past it's not future it's present but what is god's present versus ours exactly yeah yeah, yeah, it's because like he is himself and bigger on the himself. inside than it looks on yeah, the exactly. outside. I mean, you know, some of you, if you're not, you know, ready for this, will because I've had conversations with people where I thought I was explaining, you know, something pretty clearly, and I wasn't as clear as I thought I was, or they weren't hearing very well. I mean, literally have a hearing mm-hmm. impairment because I've had that happen where mm-hmm. I thought this person understood me, but I realized they only got every fifth word, <laughs> you know. And, and so there's a number of limitations. And so I know that if I start trying to combine Doctor Who and uh, and Irma has left, <laughs> she the, left building. the building. So anyway. Um, Squeaky door. I have. I have. No doubt that some of you are going, would you quit talking about Doctor Who is just a silly science fiction show? But what you got to understand is, is that there's truth in their explanation of time and outside of time and all of that. And it's one of the best ways I know to illustrate, for example, what happened to John at Patmos. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he if in, in effect, went in Doctor Who's time machine you know, which isn't really a machine per se. Right. It's really just... It's a sentient being. It Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> for the sake of discussion, I mean, the fact that it's bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside is it, that the blue box is just a door to a non-dimensional... Well, it's a separate dimension. Yeah. yeah. That's what they talk about in the show. So, and I would say, like, yes, we're talking about the show, but 
it's been on for over 50 years and they've had time to really really dig into the time stuff yeah so that's why we keep going back to it because we are fans of the show it's a very wonderful show to us but they've also really dug into this time thing yeah so it is a good example and and based on what rest assured we don't base our theology on doctor who but our understanding of God's timelessness is enhanced because creative human beings have developed this storyline over the last 50-something years Mm -hmm. and have given us a way to interpret this time concept with God. Well, okay, that... I, d- just don't quit us because we include references to Doctor Who because we know the author of truth. We know uh, the the uh, ethical and moral standards of, of biblical Christianity. And, and you know, we, we haven't lost sight of that. We simply are looking at the science of that show as the simplest way to explain what we think is going on in some parts of the Bible. Because, but I will plug you know, and say that if you want a really awesome explanation of time, plus a, a, if you like to have the pants scared off of you just a little, watch the episode Blink, because that's where we're getting a lot of the words we're using about time. It's a really well done episode about time, but also it's a little spooky. Oh, yeah. But I would watch it. The good ones are. And, and you know, <laughs> the reality is, is that... We know instinctively that God is for us and that God loves us mm-hmm. and that God doesn't want to scare the pants off of us. <laughs> but if we were in the presence of God, I mean, you know, the old thing about uh, uh, Moses, he had to hide in the cleft of the rock and then only look when God had already passed by. Mm-hmm. And even that left him with this like holy suntan, mm-hmm. you know. And and so the reality is, is that that there is an awesomeness and an emphasis on awe uh, about God that should scare the pants off of us a little bit. We should be driven to our faces in reverent submission Mm -hmm. in the presence of God. And Mm -hmm. if we can't imagine God and be a little bit awestruck and a whole lot scared, then, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, enough of Doctor Who. Um, that is a great episode and it won't scare the pants off of you because it's about God. It's just scary. But when you start to realize that there's dark forces out there and demonic powers at work and, you know, but there's a really, really brilliant speech about time that kind of opened a whole can of worms for me because I'd never really thought about it that way. And it's a lot of what Jack is talking about in this chapter. All right, so how could Christ at the same time be fully God and know everything and also ask his disciples, who just touched me? Yeah, I love that because he says that some people have asked, like, well, if he if he exists outside of time and all this stuff, then how did he also come to earth and exist in time? And And Lewis says, well, again... It's those time words you're saying, you know, while Christ was a baby or at the same time, like you're, you're using time words again. And that means you're assuming that Christ's Christ life in the Galilee exists as God existed in time. And that, so, so you, Okay, see, time is weird. 
he's saying that if you're putting it into those words, you're saying that, okay, God exists in time. And then when Christ came and lived in Galilee and was in Jerusalem, that's a chunk of time taken out of that bigger time that God exists in. And you're still getting back to the point where you're saying, well, hang on, God doesn't exist in time. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that Christ coming to earth is a chunk of time out of God's timeline. It all exists at the same time. So even while Christ was in Jerusalem doing his ministry, he's also existing as God every other point in time. Right. Because he still is God. And that's why he can do both. And that's why everything could still function as a universe while he was on earth, because he's all of it. So. Yep. That works. That works. And. Yeah, I mean, so like there's he's saying he says like, so we're visualizing it as like, okay, God lived to a certain point and then he came to Earth and that was in his future once he before he came and then he came to Earth and that was his present. And then and then he can look back on, oh, yeah, there was a time where I was Christ on Earth, but that's wrong. That's our linear thinking. Exactly. He's Christ on Earth right now. And, and really, there are significant <laughs> denominational differences based on the interpretation of that linear versus global. And global is not even the right word, you know, but, but universal sort of existence. Um, because there are people, you know, who are sometimes referred to as Holy Spirit only. Meaning that they view it from a linear perspective. Mm. They say, well, God was once God, then God became man, then the man left and gave us the Holy Spirit. So now it's all about the Holy Mm. Spirit. And that's like one of the fundamental Nicene, you know, disputes that was settled in the Nicene Mm -hmm. Creed. And I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that's not bad. It's just that, you know, whole denominations are built around trying to, uh, spatially limit God mm-hmm. and trying to put God on a linear yeah uh, uh, we're trying to measure God yeah I mean, and that's just you can't you, and then, how can you measure well that's what I, he says he says God has no history because he's too complete to have a history he says like because if you really look at what history is history means that you have to have lost part of your reality because it's gone right and God like that doesn't happen for God and he also doesn't have another part that is still to come so he doesn't have a history or a future because it's all this is why God describes God's self as I I am am. because not I was not I will be he is always yeah God is I am well, okay, last question. Does God's omniscience interfere with our being free-willed beings? No. Um, yeah, he, because Lewis's answer is, well, my answer is no, but Lewis goes deeper, obviously, um, because he says, how can, like, yes, God knows maybe what we're going to do tomorrow, but it's present for him. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter that he knows what we're going to do tomorrow because it's still our present. It's not like he's like, ooh, don't do that because it's going to really mess with you. Like, he's not he's not taking away our free will because, yes, it's linear for us. 
but it's not for him. It's still all happening at the same time right. for him. So he's not stopping us or or leading us down a certain path, which is why that everything happens for a reason thing is annoying. Yeah. And, like, you know, as you matured as a Christian, you've begun to realize why some of those things really annoy me. Like when people say God says, you know, or the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves and that's not in the Bible. Um, and they say everything happens for a reason. And they say when we die, we become angels. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people saying all kinds of things that comfort them, but they're not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says, Lewis says, like, God doesn't see, like, he doesn't remember what you did yesterday because he's watching it happen. He's seeing what you're doing now. He doesn't know what you might do tomorrow because he sees you doing it tomorrow mm -hmm. because it's all today nothing is not present so yeah he knows what i'm gonna do tomorrow but it's not future for him and it just and is my life another one of the ways that i've interpreted this that isn't exactly like what lewis says that doesn't mean i disagree or anything it just means that i would i'd be i'd like to talk to him about this one but i've often thought that it's also a little bit like when you ride in an airplane and you're looking down at a city from thousands of feet above and you can see someone driving down a highway and they are 20 miles from a traffic jam and they don't know it. Mm -hmm. But you know it because from your perspective, you can see it. But as the passenger on an airplane, there's nothing you can do. You can just look out the window and see. Yeah. I'm not saying God's powerless, but I'm just saying that if you want to try to relate to what it's like to be omniscient, and yet not interfere. Just think about the last time you were on an airplane. You know, you were up in in the, the realm of, of 20, 30,000 feet above uh, the communities uh, below. And, you know, you, you could conceivably, you could see a house fire happening on one end of town and children playing in a playground on the other end of town and know that neither is aware of the other at that moment. But, you know, you can, but I always like the traffic jam example. You know, you can see, when you can see cities like Indianapolis and Louisville, which is a two-hour drive from one to the other, and you can see them both from your airplane, mm -hmm. then you could see cars driving from Indianapolis to Louisville, and you could see the traffic jam they're going to run into somewhere around Seymour, which is halfway, you know, and they can't see it coming yet because yeah. they're not. The, their perspective is different. And so I think that's a little bit what it's like to be omniscient. But he also says that God doesn't know your actions till you've done them. But the moment you do them, it's already now for him. Yeah. So, so I agree with what you're saying, but I think Lewis is also saying, yeah, he knows that there's a traffic jam, but as soon as he knows that there's a traffic jam, you're already in it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he sees it ahead of you, but he also sees you in it. Right. Like, he can't. Yeah. You're not. And and that's why you aren't losing your free will. And that's kind of like he's that whole, how can he hear my prayer and nobody else's? Because he's, because God's. Because time doesn't exist for him. Yeah. And so. He is time. He, he can do both and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we said this was a short chapter. I know, but we know. started talking. I didn't believe you last night when we you said this one would be shorter because I knew it was about time. And yeah, we get into that. And we really do get into that. 
Well, this has been fun for us. I hope it's <laughs> been a blessing for you, listener. And I really hope that uh, you'll have, uh, give us some feedback. We really, we really crave the feedback. And I'm not going to lie, we don't get it very often. If, and lately, there's been quite a drought. We haven't gotten any feedback. And, and no offense to those who are usually very regular, because, you know, we appreciate you. But, you know, if, if you're not Jenny then we'd love to hear from you because Jenny's one person that always writes to us and we really appreciate Jenny's mm-hmm. comments, but there are a lot of people out there listening to this and, and uh, you know, we just, you know, if, if you just dropped us a line and said, thanks, that would be awesome because it's just nice to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can look at the data that uh, uh, my podcasting software, you know, provides and I can see how many downloads and, how many subscribers and all of that, but it's still nice to know that they're, you know, that you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to all the church people who tell us to our faces and, uh, you know, on a Sunday morning or something. And, you know, but just the same, let us hear from you. It would be a real blessing. And uh, you can reach out to us in a variety of ways. You can, the uh, simplest thing for you to do is go to shilohum.org as in s-h-i-l-o-o-h-u-m dot o-r-g and now because i'm on there too you can reach out to me that's right you'll see pictures of us in the uh staff section and you'll see that we each have our own email address that you can write to Mm -hmm. and so you know just get in touch with us we'd be glad to hear from you Mm -hmm. uh get the shiloh app and again, if you visit the web page, you'll be, you know, the easiest way for you to get links to that. And if you want to go on Facebook and look for Knowing God with Heart and Mind, you can join our little private discussion group. Yep. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you don't have a church home and you're in this area, come see us at Shiloh. We'd love to know you. And, uh, you know, if you're living farther away, be a part of a church family. It's important. Mm-hmm. You can't go this alone. It really is important to have these discussions and to urge each other on. And so we want to urge you on and ask you to pray for us as we pray for you. So God bless you and goodbye. Bye.